Welcome to Fandom Power. Welcome to Fandom Power, the show where we talk about all things fandom. I'm your host, Wes Arscott, and today, our inaugural episode. And uh, what a treat to be able to have a wonderful group of people here in the room with me tonight on our uh, first episode. So really, what is the first episode, really, on a show about fandom and fandom power? What is your fandom power? And what is fandom? It doesn't seem like it was that long ago that fandom really wasn't a word in the collective vernacular but really if we break it down a little bit we're talking about fandom comes from the word fan and that that obviously goes back to the uh, roots of professional sports and baseball all the way back to 1903 so really if we go a little further fan from the latin fanaticus meaning mad or inspired by god and certainly when it comes to certain fandoms there can be a divine level of uh, reverence there i'm looking at you sports guys that uh, smash tvs when your team doesn't win yeah, so fandom, been around since about 1903, and uh, tonight we're going to have a nice little roundtable conversation about that and kind of what it means to each of the panelists. So without any further ado, let me uh, introduce for you tonight my partner in life and crime, my lovely wife, Kimberly Arscott. Hey, everybody. And joining us tonight here in the studio, all the way from Havelock, mm-hmm. our friends, super nerds, big mm-hmm. fans like we are. Dan and Kelly Buckley. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for wanting to come out and do this with us. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Of course. We're all big. uh, I shouldn't say we're all big. No, I am. I'm going to embrace it because that's what we're all about here. (laughs) We're all big fans of something. Or we're all big fans of some things. Certainly, I know we have some overlap in our interests, which may or may not include shopping at Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Interesting story, you know, when uh, Kim and I were trolling a Walmart one night and we just happened to be in the toy section, go figure, and I just happened to overhear Dan and Kelly talking about some Nerf guns and I had just done a Nerf paint mod and I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity to say hello and just kind of share that. And you're a talker, like you talk with anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we met in the uh, Nerf aisle at the Walmart. Yes, we did. (laughs) How's that for a meet cute? Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> since then, you know, we've come a long way and certainly our uh, our interest in sort of science fiction and fantasy and all those wonderful things that we love to watch and take part in have certainly sparked lots of conversations. So I thought it'd be really yeah. fun if we could capture one of those and just kind of share it with the world. Mm-hmm. So I guess really a good way to start the conversation is really just to kind of touch on what is each of our our fandoms i guess if we had to boil it down to say maybe just one or two because i know we all have multiple interests what would you say your biggest fandom is let's start with uh kelly how about you go first i'd say one of my earlier ones was star trek for sure yeah um i'm a next generation girl for sure um but i actually grew it grew from a love of patrick stewart because um i remember way back i was when i was you know going to come on this show. I was thinking about it and I remembered when um my stepfather first rented a VCR, the two movies he brought home was Flashdance and Excalibur and I oh, wow. loved <laughs> Excalibur. So, I've loved Patrick Stewart for a long time and then I it grew into uh when he did Dune. Sure. So, yeah, he yeah. was the one that drew me to yeah. the next generation and then I just fell in love with the series. 
for sure, like other That's characters cool. on it. So it's funny because I don't, I didn't see Excalibur probably until a few years later, but Next Gen for sure was on TV uh, by the time I had seen Excalibur for the first time. Or maybe I had seen it, but I didn't associate Patrick Stewart with the Next Gen because it was such a long gap between. Mm-hmm. But I can remember going, Oh my God, that's Guinevere's dad. <laughs> you know? Should I yeah, help yeah. myself at this point and admit that I've never seen Excalibur or Dragon Slayer? <laughs> oh, wow. I know. <laughs> we don't have enough like time you. for that double feature, but oh my God, really? <laughs> really? Okay, so when we go to do those episodes, I got some homework for you. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek for Kelly. That's awesome. And what about you, Dan? Um, basically, all things science fiction, like. Sure. Uh, Big unexplored worlds and vistas and, and right. all that kind of stuff. The stuff that we get in spades in Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and, you know, all those amazing stories from other places. It's funny, you know, we just did uh, three, oh, somewhere between three and four hours of recording for what we thought was going to be our first episode, big Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. Hey, spoiler, guys, you're going to get a two-parter Star Wars <laughs> episode here coming up pretty soon. But... One point I'd forgotten to make on those recording sessions was we were talking sort of critical about Star Wars. And, you know, there's, for me anyway, I kind of make this distinction between science fiction versus space opera. And I very much feel like Star Wars, you know, the the round hole and the round peg is very much a space opera kind of story as opposed to something like, you know, the first three seasons of the original Star Trek, which I think most fans really do think of as science fiction per se or 2001 or 2010 hard Mm. science fiction right Mm. right do you make that distinction yeah yeah i mean it it very definitely seems more plotted out more like everybody has said smarter people than me have said about it being the hero's journey that it's oh yeah, yeah you know you take a and do b and then move through c to d and so, yeah, it seems very formulaic when you yeah. look at it with more mature eyes than when I was seven and right, saw it for right, the first right, time. Right. And at the time, it seemed more science fiction-y. Yeah. And now it seems, oh, that's just fancied up Romeo and Juliet. or uh, Sure. What is it? The Iliad? The Iliad, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I would have said in all the years that we've known each other, I would have pegged you for like, you would have jumped on a horror franchise of some sort. <laughs> I thought I, for I, sure you would. I had my time. Yeah. doing those but no they, they've gotten a little too good at picking the very dark recesses of my brain oh. and putting it up on the screen and it's, no thank you i the, am out of here right we've passed the torch now. a bit sydney's yeah. kind of gotten into yeah. that so we're, uh, we're showing her some of the old classics like she just watched uh the exorcist and we were like excited oh for her God. to watch it and she was like meh seriously yeah that and, still wow. traumatizes me that movie yeah and, and other things that freak her out you know i would be like so she has totally wow. different tastes than us, and, it, and it's her, surprising though. though. And but it's nice, and she's into you know special effects, so it's kind of cool yeah. to see her glomming onto some of the interests that we had as kids. And she's kind of we're kind of reliving it through her. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome cool. that she can tolerate that kind of stuff because I know for me, you know, being a younger well, and like Sydney, being a younger sibling, I kind of had the the older brother sort of over my shoulder who was the dominating force, you know, behind what movies got rented. So, you know, it was almost a guarantee that every Sunday afternoon was going to be five or six, maybe not five or six, two or three uh, horror movie rentals. And it was, you better not say anything and ruin this for me. (laughs) So I sat there and shivered quietly, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I had a similar experience. Um, I had an older cousin and I would be at my aunt's house a lot. And uh, some of my horror 
like phantasm scared the bejesus out of me and it was oh, thanks yeah, to my yeah. older cousin playing that in the house <laughs> phantasm the movie in a funeral home oh my goodness that little silver ball i think i had sure. nightmares about <laughs> yeah 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 so dan you're gonna leave it kind of wide open and you're kind of embracing fandom as a as a more holistic you know i mean i'm a child of the 70s i was old enough to actually get to see star wars in the theater sure. and all that kind of thing so i mean star wars is near and dear yeah you know, there were a lot of other ones that I saw along the way that, you know, ticked a, f a few more boxes, but Star Wars is always sort of the main one that you can talk reasonably yeah, at length yeah, with 90% yeah. of the population about. Cool. I, and no one says you have to have, you know, like, what's your one thing? No, you don't have to have one thing. I just thought it'd be a fun sort of let's dissect it down and maybe just talk a little bit more focus. But I, I'm very much like you. I have a such a broad interest, but I guess if I, you know, had to narrow it down, Star Wars would definitely be top two. Like we mm -hmm. just, like I said, we just did over three hours of recording on Star <laughs> Wars. So like, and I'm going to go back to that because any one of those subjects that we covered in that episode could be a show of its own. But, you know, I, the other one that I had mentioned that night was, you know, Transformers and how much I love. I love Transformers. Yeah, I really love Transformers. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There are aspects of Transformers that I absolutely, well, I won't say that I hate them, but I have no interest in them, mm. you know, as a, as a whole franchise. There are parts of the lore and elements of Transformers that I, you know, in the words of Adam Savage, I refuse your reality and choose to, you know, insert my own. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, Transformers is my gateway to nerdum and has been since I was, oh, you know, nine or 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Kim? Well, I wouldn't say I have like one specific when you guys are talking about, you know, when you were younger, what got you into it. But sure. I don't know. Star Trek, the original on TV. I'd watch that. I loved watching that. And I Dream of Genie, that kind of stuff. I wasn't into the normal cartoons that everyone else was watching. Like Saturday morning stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, right. Like all my friends are like, oh, you know, did you watch this? Did you watch that? And I'm like, I just watched Star Trek. I just watched, you know, I Dream a Genie and they're like, right. yeah, you're weird, right? Like, so is that fandom? I don't know. But watched, that kind of stuff. You mm -hmm. watched all the Desilu production. I did. Yeah, I did. did. MASH was also another classic. I never really got into that one, to mm -hmm. be honest. But here's the thing. Like, you, you asked a good question. Like, what is it? What is fandom? Is it really fandom? Well, of course it is. I mean, like, if we go back to the sports analogy and we, we really... You know, like the word origin is fan. And I mean, fan comes from fanatic. And mm. I mean, if you can sit there and like I, I made the joke about smash your TV, but if you can put on the clothing of your favorite sports team and you can, you know, have an entire ceremony, because let's let's face it, you know, game day Sunday when baby's in the kitchen making chicken wings and chili like this is a big deal. Like these people are uber fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you totally can. Sure well, can. I think for me, like as an adult, I think the whole science fiction and vampire lore, I think, has got more of my attention. Like if you look at my bookshelf, it's always you're not going to find like a romance novel on there and you're not going to no. find anything like it's going to have a vampire. It's going to have a werewolf. It's going to have a fairy. It's going to have some crazy thing in there. I've seen your bookcase mm. and there's a lot of black covers on there. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Awesome. stack house on there. <laughs> In the corner, but yeah, she's <laughs> there. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. The girls, I drive them crazy because I wanted all the science fiction stuff. And they were like, mom, no, I don't. They weren't interested. No. Hmm. Right. 
that brings us to our, sort of our next point. I, I'm going to stay with you for a minute, Kim, because that takes us right into sort of, you know, the kids weren't into it, but you were. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the gateway was? Like, what was it that attracted you to that kind of literature? Well, I always liked it. Like, I think movies, you know, growing up, we lived in, you know, small town. Your parents are going to take you everywhere. So movies was the outlet, right? Mm -hmm. Very much. And so, you know, the last Starfighter or Starman or, you know, all those movies fascinated me, right? Aliens, that kind of thing, right? And so I just naturally gravitated towards that aspect, Sure, sure. Right, which, you know, comes to vampires and the lore and all that kind of stuff. I guess really for me, I'm there's a disconnect there for me between the visual medium and the written word because as a as a young kid, I had no interest in reading. Like it was See, and I loved it. I love to read. I find that fascinating because that's just an element that I can't I mean, as much as I like to read now, of course I find it much harder to read with the condition of my eyes, but I mean, I, I didn't read as a kid, so you know, making the jump from the visual medium, like you say, film and television, which is very much where my interests are steeped in, to go to literature. I find it just fascinating that there was enough interest there for you that you wanted more. And maybe you couldn't get it because you have no control over production schedule. But hey, there's this book. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why I started writing my own book. Mm-hmm. Right? Because right. not that I was anything lacking, but I just had this whole story that I wanted to do. You know, I just find it all fascinating. I've had, you know, a thousand books. Yeah. And each story is different and it's not old. Like vampires, how many things can you write about a vampire, right? But Yeah, for sure. There is. As long as you leave out the sparkles, you're good. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> Don't sell it short. Some people like sparkle vampires. Glitter and glue. <laughs> well, I think we actually got them steining. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no, no reasonable comeback for me for that one. Sure, sure. <laughs> You know what? She did something at a time and everyone loved it. Mm-hmm. Looking back, you're like, oh my goodness. But at the time, it was something new. It was something fresh. It wasn't Absolutely. just the... I, I will give her this. We're talking... Oh my God. What's Stephanie her name? Meyer. Yes, Stephanie Meyer. Yes. I'm kind of taking a shot in the dark with this one, but I would say that her fandom probably influenced the way that she wrote because a lot of the music that made it into those movies yeah. was the music that she was listening to when she wrote the book. So... It's great taste in music. I like a lot of the music from those films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think when I'm writing, I do the same thing. If I'm writing and listening to something, it just naturally, that vibe gets into a scene or something. I'm, you know, some element. It, it yeah. happens. It's easy. Mm-hmm. So theater of the mind's eye for you. Yeah. Yeah, you can imagine that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I love it. I think that's my favorite is being submerged into that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. So yeah. let's let's go back to Star Wars for a minute for you, Dan, and, and let's just uh, no more vampires. <laughs> yeah, moving on. No, we're vampires. we're definitely going to come back to that space vampires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if we we go back to Star Wars and we talk about that as your gateway, mm-hmm. what was the draw for you? The draw? Yeah. What was or it that my attracted initial you to? Impression. It? Or um, did you know? Were you that you know type of kid? Was like, get in the car, we're going to the movies. I don't know. I was about six years old when it came out, six yeah. or seven, and uh, we. We're fortunate enough that we had a drive-in theater within about 10 minutes of our house. Yeah. And mom and dad had seen the trailers for Star Wars and thought, well, this will be fun. We'll take the kids to this. And we went and there was some Disney thing on before, oh, Shaggy Dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. 
And so by the time Star Wars came on, right. it was already well past my bedtime. And I remember standing in the back on the bench seat of my dad's duster. Yeah. Leaning up over to try and see the screen through that and hear the audio through that little lunchbox of a speaker. <laughs> and I remember seeing these two massive ships come over the top of the screen. Never seen anything like yeah. it in the world. It's mm -hmm. instantly got my attention. For sure. And then we get into the, all these soldiers running around. Yeah, it looks yeah, really yeah. cool. Something, something's going down. And then Darth Vader comes through the door. That striking imagery that's really captured multiple generations exactly. of, of mm -hmm. kids and adults and has just been this cultural phenomenon ever since. It's easy to sort of see how a young kid could get caught up in that. Right. And so for me, that was like, oh my goodness. And I mean, to be honest, there had been nothing like that. No, no, they really so, hadn't. Well, for, I mean, by comparison, Star Wars number number one movie in 1977. Do you remember the number two movie was? No, Smoking the Bandit. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that one at the drive-in too. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same double feature though. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But yeah, so I remember being tired yeah. before the show started, but that opening sequence. I stayed awake until literally I fell over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was such an escape from everything that I had known before then. Sure, it was, sure. I hadn't really thought about it at the time, but it didn't even look like it was filmed on Earth. It, yeah, yeah. As mm -hmm. far as I mm -hmm. knew, they had gone to Tatooine and filmed <laughs> that there. Yeah. Or had built spaceships and had found a way to film. For sure. And so... For me, it was like, wow, look at what's possible. What, you know, this happened long, long ago in a galaxy yeah, far, yeah, far yeah. away. What am I doing? <laughs> like, I need to get off, uh, get off the, the pine here and start doing something. Yeah, cause, really. Because Luke is out there saving the universe. <laughs> I love the simplicity of that. One of the things that I identify the most with in Star Wars is the very, and I'm speaking classic trilogy specifically, right? yeah. but um, the very, very distinct good versus evil. There is no question of who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Right. And that's classic storytelling. Like I love how the simplicity in that aspect of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Kelly, were you a, a, an original Trek fan? I grew to love the original series from the movies because just like you I watch movies incessantly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Old, mm -hmm. new. I'm like a nerd when it came to movies. I had the Leonard Moulton book of movies. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I made my own notes in it. That's pretty Put awesome. Put my own star ratings beside oh, his. Oh, that's so cool. Right that when I cool. disagreed. <laughs> like, and not just like current stuff. It would be like, you know, what was that? Born Yesterday, the original black and white. Right. I, I watched because white. of Leonard Moulton. <laughs> It's fun. So it should have been Siskel, Ebert, and Kelly. <laughs> well, I did like that so much because I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money as a kid, so I didn't go to see the current stuff. So no. the, their stuff really didn't mean much to me. So his right. book was more relevant to me because it had older stuff in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it would be stuff playing on, you know, Sunday afternoons. And so exactly. I could watch it and I wouldn't read what he said about the movie no. until after I watched it so just to see if our opinions differed. That's pretty <laughs> cool. I wouldn't spoil it. <laughs> Wasn't there a line in The Lost Boys where the grandfather said, don't need a tv if you read the tv guide yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah I, yeah I loved tv guide i did the crosswords too <laughs> oh wow i think we have a similar sort of background where star trek is concerned because only now as an adult and i hate to say this because i think i'm maybe a little bit more open to this stuff but it really just proves how much it, our generation was exposed to the visual medium but 
to watch the original track in syndication prior to the remastering of the show was almost unwatchable for me. Yeah, I tried to watch it before, like yeah. whenever they had an episode running on, you know, TV. And my grandmother's TV was probably not very good to begin with. So it was very fuzzy to oh. watch. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. That's what made it so awesome. It was campy. It was like, what's that show? Frankenstein. House oh, the hilarious House of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. I love that show and how campy and I don't know. I liked all that kind of stuff. And it's on mm. Amazon Prime now. All three. I know. And I've been watching. Episodes. It's awesome. God. Yeah, it's, oh it ran a lot longer than you think it did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness. But like I was the odd duck in my family. Like no one else liked that stuff. No. But that campiness. Sure, sure. I like it. Like, I have to admit that even on the weekends when there was Saturday morning cartoons, mm -hmm. I would wake up that little bit earlier because CHCH was the company that produced. Locally the, produced, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and we got it at of my house would, yeah. because yeah, I grew up in Toronto. So yeah. for us, it was free to air Straight shot TV, across the water. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I would get up and I would watch it and I didn't understand most of it. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't funny. I you don't, know, is this supposed to be like a joke show oh, or is this yeah. forever? I mean, the one, I shouldn't say the one, there's a lot of things that stick out, but really the one thing that comes to mind every time I think about that, ooga booga. <laughs> <laughs> ooga booga. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the wolf man getting up and dancing. I was going to say yeah. the wolf man. Yeah. And I never quite understood whether that was supposed to be like a music review or. I think it was just, just meant to be a five minute interlude. Yeah. 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 A psychedelic just to fill trip. Some time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But who's getting high at, at six o'clock on a Saturday morning? Or maybe, uh, maybe you got some high, kid's parent. Maybe you got high Friday night and you're just <laughs> coming down. And this is your, ah, I'm just going to lull off to sleep now. So Need then a couple you know, minutes of uh, Wolfman <laughs> dancing in front of. The, I Paisley. It. Yeah. Going back to Star Trek, though, um, mm. you have the original series, and I think we both agree it was very difficult to watch. And, mm -hmm. and whereas Kim embraced the camp, I didn't have the intellect to appreciate what they were doing. And like I say, only after the remaster where they, they upgraded the special effects to, oh, at least circa 1989 level mm -hmm. <laughs> effects. Once I could get past the terrible visuals, I could finally get to where they were going with the writing. So I, I definitely appreciate it much more now than I did then. But I would agree with you. TNG was my Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah, Voyager. We've, we've recently rewatched a few of the seasons too. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah, kind yeah. of one of my go-to, you know, let's put something on and, you know, easy. it's easy watching. And yeah. I just love it still. Yeah. So we have Star Trek and Star Wars at the same table. And I, I probably know the answer, but I have to ask the question. <laughs> Which one? Star Trek. Wow. Star Trek. <laughs> you Are you saying what that? You're my saying main that? entry into science fiction was. But to be honest, they've done a lot more, in my opinion, with Star Trek's universe. Interesting, yeah. Like, you know, we have multiple timelines. Sure, you've got sure. the Chris Pine Enterprise, and you've got the old William Shatner, and then, yeah. you know, all those extra... I like them a lot because they're quick, they're easy to digest. You know, they've got some overarching storyline. Right. But, you know, by and large, you've got, you know, Monster of the Week. I love yeah, Monster much. of the Week. Episodic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can jump back into season six, episode 23, and I'm right there. I feel like I'm spoiled because we're cord cutters and now that we stream everything, we 
I mean, the term binge watch is now a household term. So like that whole idea of episode of the week or waiting a week between episodes is like practically unheard. Well, I didn't say it's unheard of, but it, it really is such a rare thing now. And well, I don't know if I could side, go back. Yeah. And to side note, when Kelly brought up, you know, the TV guide, I'm like, oh my God, remember that yeah, thing? TV mm-hmm. guide. And we'd plan what day we're, you know, what sure. we're watching yeah, at what especially time. Especially if you had a sibling, you had to agree yeah. on stuff too, yeah, you well, know, yeah. like, right? okay, this like, is like, I Dream a Genie was one of the few my sister and I agreed on. So mm-hmm. we would often watch that. Yeah. <laughs> right? As the youngest, I didn't have much of a say in that. I just, you know, most of my shows were on either early in the morning or Saturday, so... Most of my TV watching was pretty much unhindered. Yeah, it's a whole different world now with binge watching. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so different. Yeah, and each kid is in their own room watching their own device. So right. you're not yeah. even it's fighting not even, over one screen no. anymore. You know, no. there are multiple apps. And, you know, when I said, you know, should I shut down the Disney account? They're like, no. <laughs> I remember talking. Never my... make a threat that you're not prepared to follow yeah. through. On. That wasn't a threat. You didn't. You didn't ask. I forgot me, about the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I forgot. <laughs> I talked my family into watching the series V when it was on TV. Uh, the original V. Yeah. With Mark Singer, Jane Badler. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> sure, uh, yes. Freddy Krueger, Michael Ironside, Michael Ironside. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Robert England. Yes, that's the guy. That's right. Yeah. And so it was, you know, that one episode <laughs> a week, we were dying to watch it, and mm. I got them all to watch it, which was cool. And then you spent the next week talking about it for the next episode. Now we'd watch the whole series in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You lose something with the binge watching, I feel. I, I, I that once, excitement is gone, yeah. right? The buildup, because you can just go, okay, I can watch the next one. Yep. I once yeah. traveled with my girlfriend at the time to her parents' place, which was like really, really far away. And because we were going to be there for a few days, we rented movies and we rented V, the original miniseries, and then V, the final battle and watched it in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the buildup for something like that, where you're like, oh my God, did yeah. you see? Oh, he's in the mothership. Oh, no. Yeah. What's, yeah, yeah. What's he's an alien. Mm-hmm. Oh he just God. looked out and they opened their jaw and they ate that did whole thing. Did they really just pig. eat that whole thing? <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> How did that even get on TV? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, for me, going back to, um, I guess going back to Transformers, because that's kind of what I'm picking tonight. It, it's got to be, uh, it's a toss-up between the toys and the animated series, and I'm not really sure which one came first, because in my mind, they kind of came at the same time. And, yeah. You know, I mean, one influenced the other. You know, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why the animation models were so drastically different from the toys. And I loved the toys at the time. Like they were just this sort of engineering masterpiece. And I didn't find out until many years later that no, no, it was just an import line that was rebranded as something else. Even in Japan, the, uh, the Transformers, the American, you know, branded version of Transformers has superseded, you know, its origins in Diaclone and Microchange. It's now, you know, Transformers is sort of the the new, the default lore there. But, you know, again, you know, I think, not to go back to Star Wars, but really, you know, after 77, everybody wanted to have a little slice of that Star Wars money. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, merchandising took off like mad after that movie came out. And I think Transformers really on some level just kind of fell into that, we need a new Star Wars you know, mm-hmm. we need something to keep the kids buying toys. Well, let's give them real toys. But the Marvel Sunbow series, to me, is the, it's the definitive 
it's what I go back to when I think of Transformers, when I, you know, conjure up images of Optimus Prime. I only, mm -hmm. I only hear Peter Cullen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is no other voice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there are, though. Like, there's been a f quite a few, but... There isn't. Well, and so these are some of the elements of Transformers when I say that I don't really care for. There's a, a bunch of those in between, you know, where I just don't care for them. But that doesn't invalidate them. It just means that I don't connect with them. But mm. at the same time, as a whole, you know, the franchise I find is just this wonderful, you know, again, that simplistic good versus evil where for the most part, for the most part, at least in the visual medium, the, the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. Yeah. And I like those lines to be clearly delineated and I don't know, I think it just falls into that whole when you're young and your imagination is captured easily, the idea that not only can I escape by watching this on TV, but I can contrive scenarios and situations and I can play in that universe with my toys. And so to me, like Transformers was kind of the ultimate in escapism for me as a kid. So mm -hmm. that's kind of my... Uh, my attraction to it. And even as an adult, it still takes me back there every time there's a new Transformer project, even to some degree, the live action movies yeah. as, you know, divisive as they were. But mm -hmm. I, I like, loved the uh, animated yeah. series as a kid. And unfortunately being a girl, I would ask for Transformers, but I was never given a Transformer, oh, even though I asked for them. So sad. Yes. And I, I think I got one finally, and it was one of the constructor Constructabots. The Constructicons. See, if you I'm if sorry. You don't know I'm their sorry. <laughs> but uh, I loved it, even though it wasn't the one I wanted. I wanted Optimus Prime, of course. Sure. But, but I loved it. I, I also loved Barricade. Bar the movie Barricade? I like the movie Barricade one, yeah. that character. I like that one. Um, did you ever know that I actually was a Transformer once? <laughs> Kelly, uh, there's something you're not telling me. Yes. Um, when I was younger, I did uh, Color Guard stuff. Oh yeah, sure. And one winter guard, yeah. we uh, we would perform in gyms and stuff, and you just dance to the music and yeah, yeah. spin your flags and stuff. And the one theme our captain picked was Transformers. That's awesome. And so we had silver painted faces. That's pretty awesome. And the uniform she picked were you know those paper kind of <laughs> coveralls, and yeah. we put flashy tape on it, so oh, we were all robots perfect. and danced to the Transformers soundtrack. <laughs> That's, That's really perfect. cool. <laughs> Remind me when we. There's some other things I want to talk about, but I want to come back to to that. There's a really cool band out there that does live performances dressed up as Transformers, mm. and it's pretty fantastic. I have actually, I think I've seen that on I've YouTube. seen quite a few of their videos, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Yes, so, I understand your love. <laughs> this episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today. I guess we should really talk about now, we all have our introductions to it. We know what we really, you know, attracted us to it as kids or as young adults or whenever we were brought into the thing that we love. But, you know, that we're not those people anymore. Here we are in our our forties mm -hmm. and we're still having these conversations because it still means something to us. So I guess the next question I'd have for everybody is what does your fandom, what does it mean to you now? I think being older, um, you can afford more of the fun stuff. You know, you can 
budget a little better, especially being a kid, you know, do oh, I buy candy sure. or toy, you know? <laughs> but now, um, you know, I find that I can get that pricey model if I want it. I'm mm -hmm. still looking for for that Impala from Supernatural myself, you yeah. know? <laughs> There's certain things yeah, that, totally. you know, not often do I glom onto something hard like that, but... Um, you know, I, I find I can splurge a little bit more being mm -hmm, older, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now with the internet, you know, and Amazon, you can, yeah. you have more search, you know, engines and, and availability to you to search, you know, we can afford now to go to Comic Cons and, mm -hmm. you know, look at the tables and, you know, go to Niagara Falls and mm -hmm. being older and, you know, you know leave oh, the kids with frozen weekend. dinners. Bye. See yeah, ya. Exactly. We're going. Exactly. You know, We're especially going off now to be juvenile for a weekend. Bye -bye. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. with now the kids, the age, the age they are, we, yeah. we're, they're more independent and now we're more independent, you know. Mm -hmm. but they come down older. sometime mid Saturday going, yeah. Have you seen mom and dad? <laughs> like, I swear they to God, be they've been on that couch. Yeah, there's forever. a note stuck to the dog, yeah. you know. Let each, let each other out. <laughs> Try not to pee on the carpet. So we talk about when you say that the next gen, though, that's your thing. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it means something to people today because we've got this revival. We've got Picard that's out now. Mm -hmm. And there's talk of reviving Benjamin Sisko's character in some shape or form, which right. although he's not TNG, he's a contemporary of that that time. So these characters that they they are living, breathing, they're real to us on some level. So mm -hmm. as forty something year old Kelly, mm -hmm. where does where does TNG sit with you now? The thing I loved about Next Generation is the the perfect world it had. And when I tried to watch Picard, it kind of ruined that for me. And it made going back to watching TNG a little harder because it's like it's like going to watch the Black Widow movie now. It's like, well, I know she died. So yeah. what's the point? Spoiler. It's kind of spoiled it for me. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it was deep and it had, you know, talked about politics and, you know, probably real world stuff. But, you know, when I was, you know, 12 watching Next Generation, you know, I liked that. Someday the world's going to be yeah. so much better. And I love that escapism. And yeah. so some of the new stuff, I'm just, you know, eh, kind of turns me off and, so I, would you I, say that you it's lost some of the magic for you? Um, I, yeah, I'd say so. I think I think you can. I think they kind of ruined it a little for me. Yeah, like, yeah, it's definitely like, different. Like overplaying a, a good song kind of mm -hmm. thing, you know, mm -hmm. like eh. you know, it can be like that with some, some of the Star Wars stuff for me too. Right, you know, right. like you know, I've, I'll try to watch some of the other series or read the books, and it's like, eh, yeah, no, I find done. Picard is such Captain Picard is mm. this certain character and he holds himself a certain way and he this mm -hmm. presence and then in Picard it was like a shadow of who he used to be and yeah. I get he's much older and I get all this stuff but I really feel they did him an injustice oh Absolutely. for sure right like yes. they could have written him so much better still yes, have some so of the you know the controversy that was going on mm -hmm. and whatnot but they he was really so dropped weak. the ball. Yeah. He and was Picard, so weak. Captain Picard was never weak. No. Right? And it was like, mm. oh. see, I actually got a different take out of it. And you and I, Kim, we've had sort of this conversation before because yeah. we watched it together. Yeah. Whereas I was, I was kind of the other way around it. You know, we're talking, this is uh, uh, what, uh, TNG went off the air in 90. Uh, yep. <laughs> 93. So. As many years have passed in real life, or as many years have passed for Picard the character, so you have you have Jean Luc Picard who's at a much different stage of his life, and he's a much older man, he's a much frail man, 
And as we learn about his falling out with Starfleet, I thought, you know, I thought he was written really well. The injustice or the disservice to the character I felt was making him into a robot and curing his heart condition because that takes away that frailty Mm. that he has a finite amount of time left to get back in the game and really fix the thing that he feels he needs to do. Having him walking around as a ticking time bomb about to die is much more compelling than, oh, you're a robot now. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's the that's the fire under him. I guess so. You yeah. know, if you if you take the fire away, then eh, I'll get to it. Yeah. I got yeah, time. Yeah. No big rush. Although, I mean, they could turn that around on uh, the second season and really give him that renewed sense of my time was limited and now I have a little bit more, so I better do everything I can possibly do with this new opportunity. And that could be compelling, but the way that it was left, it just left me like a little bit, oh, that's disappointing. Well, they can reset yeah. everything just by bringing Q back and he just snaps oh, his boy. fingers well, and resets a, everything, yeah. you know? Like they can go, mm-hmm. back oh, up, oh. backpedal. Okay, let's start again. Can we can we <laughs> can we have a side chat for a minute? Can Ryan Johnson Why are you shaking your two? head no? Oh, it's fine. It's no, good. No, Kim has a really cool Q story and I think you should tell it because oh, it's really Lord. neat. <laughs> well, it's embarrassing. No, kind no, of. it's really cool. Okay, well, in case anyone doesn't know, I'm a hairstylist and I used to work down in the city and live down there and whatnot. And this guy and I was a huge fan. Like I was already into Star Trek and all that kind of stuff and it was later in the evening, this guy come in, and uh, I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, I know him. <laughs> I know him. And then it dawned on me who I think it was. That's it, John Delancey. It's cute. <laughs> and I'm like, so I start, you know, that little sweat that you get all over. And I'm like, no, why would he come into my hair salon, right? Like, no, he's got other people to cut his hair. <laughs> And then I'm like, it's him. I know 100% it's him. So I, you know, it takes a few minutes. And he's sitting there, very nice, sweet man. He's got a little smirk on his face. So he knows that he, like, I'm looking at him. He's clued in. He's like, he's just waiting, right? Mm. Are you? Yes, I am. Well, I get enough courage and I'm like, I ask him, are you so-and-so? Are you Q? And he's like, who? And I'm like, and so I'm starting to panic because I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Right. And I'm like, the guy from Star Trek, Q, right? And he's like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, come on. yeah. And he totally played it like he didn't know. He had that smirk of, yeah, he's being, oh, very he's being cute, you know, like, coy with you. Coy. And I'm like, <laughs> so it was this hidden, like, yes, I am, but no, I'm not. And, you know. Yeah. And then if I'm, I admit to it, you'll get on the phone and call all your friends, and then I'll be I, swamped here. So, no, I am I just not want that a person. Lady. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I would have, to be honest, but I'm, and no one else in the salon was, like, into Star Trek, so right. I couldn't even go, like, this is so-and-so, right? Yeah. But I'm just like, I met Q. That's bear from My Little Pony. No. <laughs> so, that was just a fun Wasn't little nightmare. thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's a pretty awesome story it that, was. that he was cool. coy with you and just kind of played I with that. I don't know who, what, who? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was very, very cool. Yeah, he was one of my favorite characters on, on Oh, series, he was so though. good. Every time he was on, it, you watched him. Yeah, I watched My Little Pony because of him. <laughs> See, <laughs> oh, I wasn't wow. into that. I didn't watch any of that. I, just his voice, you know. Yeah. Well, Loved uh, it. So just a word on My Little Pony, It's uh, I have this idea in the back of my head where I want to do a pony episode, 
but I'm not a pony fan. So if you're a My Little Pony fan, and if you're, especially if you're a brony, I want to hear from you. So just drop us a line at, uh, on our Facebook page or reach out to us by email because, uh, we'd like to get you on the show. So, um, going back to Star Wars, Dan, uh, yeah. as an adult, uh, the big mar- uh, marketing merchandising machine that Star Wars is keeps rolling. And mm-hmm. I don't want that to influence your answer, but some, <laughs> some would say, um, that that is sort of the sole purpose of Star Wars is to sell merch. But same question for you as an adult, what does the franchise mean to you now? I don't, I don't know. Um, it's always a good story. It's always exactly what I expect it to be. It's two hours, two plus hours, someplace else, you know, whenever through my entire life, there's always been at least a Star Wars thing that I could go and watch on VHS or watch on beta or watch on pay-per-view or whatever. And so when the world starts getting rough and I don't want to be around this place anymore Mm -hmm. i can you know pop that in and for two hours i'm not having to deal with it it's funny because i think all the fandoms are they're like that warm they're an escape old Mm -hmm. friend and that i think that's one of those those overlap things where we all can agree that that's something that we can lean into when we just don't want to anything you know it's always going to be there in some form or another and we know the ones that make us feel you know, the best or will, you know, elicit a certain mood from us because of the, the, the mm-hmm. elements that we like about it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as far as the marketing and toys yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff, we came in into the shop this evening, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. looking around <laughs> and, you know, for what year was it? 1981 for Empire? 80. 80. Okay. Yeah. So I had just turned nine or 10. Sure. And I got the Snowtrooper. Yeah. And my birthday's in November. And so right. I tucked it in my jacket pocket. Sure. On November 21st yep. and off I trucked to school. <laughs> yep. And somewhere between oh, no. my house oh, and no. school, it fell in oh. the snow and pff, gone. Oh. So I had it for one day. So oh, I'm so getting it back this oh. evening <laughs> <laughs> with the gun and everything, that's which I awesome. guarantee I would have lost as a kid. Mm. Uh, so give it to Kelly. To and you don't put it in your pocket. Yeah, no, no, I'm not putting it in my pocket. <laughs> Mommy, will you hold this for me? Um, it's going on a shelf. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you look at and it just, you know, you're sort of cheapening it by selling dull grapes with Anakin Skywalker in his pod razor helmet. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. really? There's not a single grape. I remember a, a <laughs> banana. Sure. Yeah. The bananas having a, a some franchise sticker on it and going Chiquita does, bananas. Yeah, how does my banana yeah. equate to? It didn't make sense to me. Like yeah. that, that's a level of marketing that I just can't comprehend. Yeah, I love how Mel Brooks made fun of that in Spaceballs. Yeah, merchandising. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's of like, course. Yeah, totally. It's Spaceballs, <laughs> the flamethrower. <laughs> Was it Spaceballs the sequel? We're gonna need some more money. <laughs> <laughs> the search for more money. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean they market the crap out of everything and i mean you know more power to them they learned the the secret sauce yeah. about what appeals to kids oh okay you've got the three and a half inch figure well now let's put out an eight inch figure now let's put out a 12 inch figure oh you have hand solo i kind of wonder best though what what would have like would it have hit as heavy without star wars i mean th- this is something we talk about on the other the other episode quite heavily about you know i Lucas and, and, uh, you know, his savvy about 
giving up a portion of his director's fees for sole merchandising and marketing rights, right? Like he got, he really... That was the smartest move. And it he, was. If it, he was going for the dollar. But, but not yeah. only was it a smart move for him, the the studio at the time said sure because to them it was a cost-saving measure. They don't have to pay him as much mm-hmm. because before Star Wars, marketing a movie or marketing a television show was largely unsuccessful. It just never took off. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I remember there we had... At my grandmother's house, we had the old 12-inch G.I. Joes that had been my sure, uncle's. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly who they were, who they had belonged to before they came right. to us, but we had a Sesame Street playset from Fisher Price. Yep. And the Fisher Price farm. Yeah, of course. With the little moo when you <laughs> yeah, open yeah, it. I think that went around to everybody. I think everybody had <laughs> yeah. either that one and we all yeah, just took turns with it. Communal, or, yeah. you know, we all had some experience with Tonka or yeah, Fisher Price or something. Course, yeah. And they were non-specific. They were never in support of something no, that you yeah. thought was cool. It's a yeah, farmer. Yeah. It's a fireman. It's a, Yeah, exactly. A they were, they were general uh, play sets and, and action figures at that time really were themed according to, you know, an occupation. Right. Mm. Less about a, a, an intellectual property. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if we'd had something, a popular iteration of uh, the sword in the stone or yeah. something like that something you could get behind that a five-year-old or a six-year-old wouldn't find scary yeah, yeah. then yeah you probably would have been able to market better but things like the black cauldron or sword in the stone were probably a little over the head of most six-year-olds but hey that big uh the big space bear. Well, and, uh, and in we the, can do that in the classic yeah. Disney era. I mean, you're talking two films now. Wait, now Black Cauldron was that a Bluth movie? No, I believe was that it Disney. Was, I believe that was Disney. We're talking two of the darker, yeah. you know, outings for that company. So that was a kind of risky for them at the time. So I guess when I think about you know where I am in my life now, and I think about you know my attraction to Transformers and kind of what it means to me now, I it's really. It's one of those things that's evolved, like it's evolved so much over the years and it's never, it's never really stagnated. It's one of the few toy lines that have, and people, you know, find it surprising when I mention this, that Transformers has never been off the toy shelves. There's never been a year without Transformers since 1984. It may have been, you know, some years were better than others, but there was always a line of Transformers on the shelf every year. It's part of our, you know, collective conscious, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the first time we came to your house and I yeah. saw your Transformer collection, yeah, yeah. the 12-year-old me was like, oh, my God. I think I was more excited <laughs> than you, though. But then to know that, like, for me as a modern toy collector, like, when I say, like, no, no, these aren't original G1s. These are all modern. These are, like, within 10 years old, you mm. know. But yet, you look at Optimus Prime and roughly any iteration of Optimus Prime and it's pretty obvious that's who it is Mm -hmm. and again maybe it's that classic archetype good versus evil but I mean it's so ingrained in me that Optimus Prime is the ultimate good guy Mm -hmm. and you know I mean Transformers Transformers and Star Wars collectively have gone a long way to influence me and in a lot of the things I've done like on some level Transformers really influence my decision to to become a professional soldier and to you know carry some of the values that I carry you know like Optimus Prime's tagline is you know freedom is the right of all sentient 
you know, beings. And I, I kind of share in that, that, yeah, we all deserve our own little slice of freedom. And they say you never meet your heroes, right? But I got to tell you, there was one year Kim and I went to uh, the annual Transformer convention in Toronto, and it was the year that Peter Cullen was uh, mm-hmm. speaking. And I'd never met Peter before. I'd always wanted to. And so we, we paid for the, the meet and greet. And I got to tell you, I've never met a more humble, you know, giving entertainer who was so just humble. Like he just knew that, you know. We've only met two like that. Yeah, that's so true. Peter Cullen and And Doug Doug Jones. Jones. Oh, and Doug Jones. I was going to say Dean Mm -hmm. Cain. Dean Cain was very good as well. Sure, sure. To be that genuine, you felt like you could sit at their kitchen table and just totally like you'd be Mm -hmm. welcome and... It wouldn't be creepy. <laughs> do you no, know what I no, mean? I like, do. I know exactly what you mean. But then after we met him and we went and sat in the hall and we listened to his Q&A and the question comes up and you can you can YouTube this if you haven't seen it because the story doesn't really change. The inspiration for the Optimus Prime character and where he came from and how he was developed. And it was a story about, you know, Peter going and talking to his brother who had been in the military and his brother had basically told him, listen, if you're going to be a hero, so you got to be a real hero. Don't be one of those fake pretend heroes, you know, like the John Wayne type, you know, he's like, just be genuine. And he's like, that's what I tried to bring to the role. And it's really, it's stuck with me. Like, you know, about just being who you are and being genuine and being, you know, just good because the idealist in me wants to believe that everybody inherently is good. We're not bad people. Just bad things happen that make us do strange things. It can be perceived as evil and wrong, but mm. yeah, I mean, I that don't mean, to, yeah, I don't mean yeah. to get so yeah, heavy, was... but it's been a big part of my life and it continues to be a big part of my life. And I'm just glad that, you know, that people are still relating to it. So that's my transformer story. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, Stephen King in his book on writing, sure. He was talking about, he was talking about an interview he'd done where someone asked him how he was able to write such believable bad guys. Sure. And he says, you know, the person that you're writing about doesn't think of themselves as a bad guy. No. They're the center of their whole story. Yeah. And everything they do has a completely logical reason for happening. And everybody else is being weird and driving them to do this horrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, they've been left no other choice. But I, I always found I that agree really that. interesting. That is interesting. As, uh, no villain thinks of themselves as the villain. They always think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, they always and, think of yeah, themselves and everybody as the else story. is. Yeah. Nobody else is thinking straight, but they are. Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it. Well, I guess it's a pretty good uh, segue into uh, how each of us, you know, expressions of uh, of fandom and, you know, how, what are some of the ways that we show it? And, and we've touched on it briefly, but because our recording space just happens to be in... <laughs> A, uh, in a toy store. Toy so, mecca. I mean, if that... <laughs> it's collectible. It's, if that, it's not toys. It's not toys. It's treat... collectible figurines. <laughs> <laughs> I guess really, I you know, and I just going back for a second, really, my love of Transformers, you know, how it's allowed me to do this. If I didn't love pop culture and, and all those things that go with it, I never would have gotten to where we are right now recording this. So, you know, thank you, Transformers, for that. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to my expression of uh, fandom, well, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, I, I might have a mild... <laughs> you have the coolest basement I have ever seen. 
Yeah, and I mean, I do. I I've like, got some things in there, too. Well, do. yes. <laughs> I meant you collectively, the both of you. We do. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, we have a pretty elaborate toy collection, but... I like to call it the museum. Yes. On some levels, it is. It's a yeah. very it's a very chaotic museum right now, but... I mean, the the toys are obviously my ultimate expression of that fandom. I, I love them. I, I love being able to revisit those characters that are 35 plus years old and and seeing new iterations of them that instantly take me back to oh this is the character i fell in love with so Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh more recently i guess uh i took it uh to a whole other level when i finally got my first piece of fan art tattooed on my body and uh i wonder what it is well, it's not Optimus Prime's head, but I honestly thought about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I finally was uh, uh, ready to wear my fandom quite literally on my chest. And now I sport a very uh, sizable Autobot logo. Yeah, it, it's pretty impressive, actually. He's, he did a really yeah, good job on that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's one of the, the best things about fandom in general, though, is that everybody has their own way of of expressing it and how they show it. And that's my next question for everybody is mm. how do you express it? How do you show it? So why don't we start with you, Kim? Well, okay. Um, how do I express it? I don't know. I have a husband that is totally in it like crazy. So it's easy, <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to express it. We have the toy store. So it's easy for me to find a figure that I want and mm-hmm. get, you know, like, I think people know that we were married to other people before and my first husband wasn't into any of this stuff. The girls weren't really into it. And so neither were my ex-wives. Exactly. So I don't it's understand easy. how people can be like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like living with only one crayon in your crayon box. Well, <laughs> I thought so, but it's life, right? So you mm. you raise your kids, there's they always need something. That's where the money went and mm-hmm. he was a truck driver, so he's on the road, which is expensive. And so there wasn't any really extra for me to do the things I wanted or get the things. Mm-hmm. Now the girls are older, we don't have that. And with you and I, we like it so much. It's just Oh, I like that. Okay, buy it. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. We yeah. can ex- it's so much. Like I have like a three-foot Groot at home. That's friggin' <laughs> awesome. I love oh, it. Oh, oh. I like to think Ours of myself as... 15 inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like... Yeah, but it's the same mold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like to think of myself as kind of the gateway for you on some level. I mean, I know you had all of your... you Before we ever got together, you had a very sizable book collection and that fits well, right that's in where with... that was the one thing that i could afford and that was my thing to like dan said earlier like the escape right to kind of books were my sure. thing and i love just to read but getting with you it was yeah. like oh now i could well, i kind of like this you know can i get it yeah and at first it was almost like it seems silly i know that might be the wrong mm-hmm. but i'm like you know like the pop vinyl figures they're cutesy and they're all this and i collect them mm-hmm. yeah and I have some more like action figures that are like, you know, the eight inch, but I like it. I like going down. I have a very extensive collection. I oh, like we're getting a little weather tonight. Yeah. yeah. It's rolling in. I like to go down in the museum. I have my books down there. I have my pops. I have my figures and it's Yeah. I like that area. I like mm-hmm. the space. Yeah, me too. And the toy store, like let's be honest, it it's both our gateway. We Of course it is. It's a dangerous thing for I us. Know. <laughs> mm-hmm. On I some know. level talking about your basement i could see that 
going down and reading and surrounded by all your belongings. Oh, yeah. In the 80s, there was a, I think it was HBO did it, Ray Bradbury Theater. I remember Mm -hmm. Ray Bradbury Theater. Well, he walked into his room and it was panning around to all these little bits of bits and bobs and trinkets and things and he's this is my museum this is yeah. where i get all yeah. my ideas and hello oh yes welcome Ray to the crypt to you. are you sure this isn't your horror influence coming to, to say hello <laughs> yeah, no no my my stuff right was on. a little less gothic in nature it's funny though because uh talking about you know merchandising and having this stuff and having these physical representations and, and coming back around to star Wars. Like you look at guys like Steve Sansweet who made an entire career out of collecting. I mean, he took his love of star Wars and, and collecting stuff. Steve Sansweet, for those who don't know, wrote the star Wars encyclopedia has the world's largest uh, catalog star Wars collection actually turned that into a job and was a, a, an archivist for Lucasfilm for many years. That's a little side story though. But yeah, Dan, I, what, what about you? Um, for me, I tend to jump from hobby to hobby as far as pursuit of all things yeah. nerd and yeah, sci-fi yeah. and things. So, I mean, I had for a time, I well, I still have two 3D printers. Yeah. And I'm fairly tinkery kind of guy. So we could safely call you a maker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've made a thing or two. I would think so. Um, Absolutely. So I found the cosplay community online yeah. on YouTube, and that was part of our meet cute was me sure. going, okay, well, I think I've seen enough videos now that I feel confident enough no, I, I could spend this. 20 bucks on a Nerf gun and paint it up to look like yeah, something cool. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, didn't really have the creativity, but I had the skill and I had the intent. So yeah. for me, I've spent the last uh, three, four years making all manner of props and things like that uh guns and shields and masks and helmets and swords swords i i'm very much like that i love prop items from the properties that that i like that i have you know that i nerd out on and so like to me like having i mean the the best example is the rude amount and it's not about the money but we spent a rude amount of money on uh star trek costumes when the new Star Trek movie, the the 09 movie came out and we were just like, yeah, we're going to do this. (laughs) So, I mean, we have genuine Star Trek uniforms and phaser props and stuff that are just like, oh, the whole cosplay thing. Now that's, I don't get it on the level that I'm active in that community because I'm not, but we all have been to the conventions and we've all seen it and we all go, that's so freaking cool. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like, it's like, oh, I wish I had that guy or that girl's skills to do that. And I just don't. Mm-hmm. But you guys are both. I mean, you've been to our Halloween parties and, and yep. you guys costume pretty oh, well. You guys are <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. Our Mal and Thank Jane you. last time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we were uh, Marty, Marty and, and Doc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Great Scott. Great. <laughs> that was great. And I mean, you were in the preliminary notes. Yeah. There was something about mashup and inspired by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, realistic thing. I mean, you're Marty and Doc. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being a married couple, or mm-hmm. in this case, just a man and a woman, yeah. drew a whole new dynamic into that <laughs> relationship. Just I, like, saw, I saw a photo online uh, yesterday, 
and it was a female cosplayer cosplaying Hulk Hogan at the height of Hulkamania. <gasps> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Complete with the big, uh, the big mustache and the, the Fu Manchu, uh, the oh buff. God. Yeah. Yeah. And Good I, for her. <laughs> I'm always amazed when I see these cosplayers, and I and I always wonder, like some some of them are obvious, like when you see like the Iron Man that's decked out in the Boba Fett colors mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. conversely the Boba Fett that's decked out in Iron Man colors and you get sort of the bend on it. But some of them I, I'm like, is that, are you, what are you, what are you mixing that with? And is that, is that a, an, an insp- like an inspired thing? Like you wanted to mash these two things together or was Probably sort of they like, like them both. And yeah. to that yeah. person who's doing it, they feel awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a couple that are just, like wow that has so many layers i never would have put yeah. those two things yeah, together yeah. but somebody put a lot of thought mm-hmm. or they they did the old uh i've got a dice of star trek characters in sure, this sure. hand <laughs> and i've got a dice with star wars characters in this yeah, hand. let's yeah, see yeah. who we're mixing up today so there's, a, be fun there's another yeah. one for the uh to the cosplay community who might be listening to this show why don't you uh, drop us a line and give us your thoughts on the whole uh, combining of ideas and, and bending your cosplays? Because I, I really would like to explore this a little bit more in a future show. You're listening to Fandom Power. So I want to go back to the that whole music thing for a second, Kelly. Bird. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this band in Toronto and they're called the Cybertronic Spree. And if you've never seen them before, they dress up in Transformer costumes. And I, and I don't mean like, you know, we put some makeup on. I'm talking like the drummer dresses like a Quintesson, <laughs> which is like a guy with like five faces and vines for arms. <laughs> the lead singer is like RC from the 86 movie. And I mean, wow. they they regularly make a show out of playing the 86 movie soundtrack and that's kind of their shtick, right? Mm-hmm. But um, like, I would recognize some of those songs. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, that takes that whole cosplay thing and that music thing and it just, it just says to me that there are just so many different ways that a fan can put themselves out there to show their love of something. And mm-hmm. like that just combines two of my favorite things. I love Transformers and I love rock and roll music. So that's a, that's a pretty cool one. Yes. I haven't said it yet, but I'm not, I never watched the Transformers. Like I know of, but, that's and I okay. like the Apparently movies. We'll have uh, Dragon Slayer and uh, <laughs> The transformers. We'll have homework later. Yeah, we'll have yes. homework. Well, it's, we'll get locked in a room. Fortunately, fortunately for both of you, Kim, I own every episode of G1 Transformers, and Dan, I own Dragon Slayer and Excalibur well, on DVD. There you so go. you can definitely borrow some research material if you'd like. Well, it seems like you and Kelly in that aspect are the uh, the go to Transformer. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Well, here's one for you, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, transformers or GoBots? I like classic Transformers. I do like Transformers as well. It, it is really the, the Star Wars versus Star Trek question. And I guess what I really wanted to know is, as fans, is there room for both at the same table? Because, I mean, we all like them. Yeah. I, if I asked for a Transformers kit, I probably ended up would sure. get a GoBot, you sure. know, if I got anything at all. Yeah. Um, you know, because you know, they were, they were probably the, the discount basket were, kind of thing. For sure. <laughs> right. They were. And, you know, you'd have grandparents who wouldn't know the difference, you know. Mm. 
But yeah. uh, I thought they were you doing know, good, and I would probably just be happy to get that. You know, it wouldn't have really, I wouldn't have really cared. Transforming you know? robot toy craze of the 1980s yeah. and grandparents were two things that just were round, round block into square hole. That's what <laughs> yeah. that was, right? Yeah. So yeah, like honestly, like I'd probably enjoy both. I think that's a cool idea. You know, you can have two objects one transforms into the other that's, mm-hmm. that was cool that was that so amazing cool. yeah. i loved i love that i love that idea and uh you know i love the cartoon um i was less about the movies i liked you know the first one but then it kind of yeah. yeah yeah petered yeah. out for me you know after a while but yeah i'm all about the original cartoon and the original movie and did you I go the all soundtrack. the way did you get all the way through it though you guys have seen uh, the bumblebee movie yeah. I did. Yeah. Sydney recommended it to us. Sure, Our daughter sure. did. And she's like, you know, I think you'd like this. A lot of 80s music, Mom. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good. I think the Bumblebee movie, once they decided to finally admit that, it, yes, this is going to be a, a soft reboot with a, of that franchise, made more sense. And that's the way that I went into it with like, you know what? I don't care that they say that this is tying in everything because it really doesn't other than a young Jake, uh, young Simmons, Agent Simmons. Mm-hmm. I choose to see Bumblebee as being this soft reboot of the franchise, and it works far better on that level. Yes, I love the the classic Bumblebee look. Yeah, you know, the Camaro thing just you know confused me. The whole the Camaro in the parking lot smacking the VW Bug with the door, you know, as like a like oh, like I I was a little disappointed that they that they treated it that way, but mm-hmm. definitely redeeming in bumblebee to, yes to i i liked a it a lot more than i thought i would and it was a good recommendation <laughs> for sure it was pretty good so let's let's change gears a minute and let's talk about being a fan in 2020 versus being a fan say in 1980 or even in 1990 mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. we've well, already... in 1980 i was five <laughs> okay so but let's i was already 10 <laughs> All right, so let's pull it forward. Let's let's come a little bit more forward and think about it. Late as 80s, adults, early 90s, yes. As adults, I was having this conversation in the hardware store with one of the guys who is also very much uh, into fandom. I mean, he's a, an artist, on mm-hmm. uh, graphic artist, a um, couple different mediums. And uh, when I was sort of explaining what we were doing in the show and his exclamation was, we won! <laughs> you know, meaning that yeah. the, the nerd culture has now become the norm. Mm-hmm. So I guess... Really, the next question I want to dive into is, was there ever a time in your life, in your adult life, that you felt you had to keep your fandom a secret? It was funny. When I first started um, uh, one of my jobs, I was put into the engineering department, and I felt like my nerd mask yeah. mm-hmm. was put on, you know, like I found my people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, they started talking about shows that I liked and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can talk about this at work. Yeah. Like it felt so good to, to talk about mm-hmm. things and they introduced me to Firefly. They, you know, we, we actually saw the movie Serenity before we saw Firefly and they've oh, been talking too. about it for like me a year too. behind yeah. me. And I'm like, I get it now. I get that oh, reference, okay. you know? So it was great. Cause you know, it was kind of interesting though, because of my age, there were some older people there that wouldn't understand that stuff mm-hmm. and i felt like i was the translator at times because sure. you know i'd say okay that's more like you know that that old show mash or you know barney miller yeah. right. you know i'd reference older shows to them and you know reference newer shows to the the younger guys so i felt like i was kind of the one in between but that's pretty cool it was great because uh, those guys were excellent and you know yeah it was it was 
so awesome to mm-hmm. find my people <laughs> at work. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like, you know, especially as a girl, like I liked some of the more masculine things like yeah. Knight Rider yeah, and, yeah. and uh, G.I. Joe I loved. Mm-hmm. Cool. And He-Man. Oh, my God. I loved He-Man more, you know, like, give me the... The sword, I loved it. We're gonna have to have you back for the Masters of the Universe uh, episode, <laughs> especially knowing. Just as it, I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, knowing that there's a new Netflix series coming out by uh, Kevin Smith, so very much looking forward to that. Sorry yes. to cut you off. No, that's fine. But you know, yeah, like you know, I felt more gender based, kind of hiding it, than yeah. you know, nerd based. You know, I didn't care about that kind of thing. You know, I would wear mismatched socks and right, didn't right. care what I wore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't really care about that. I didn't really have a fandom when I was younger, so I didn't hide anything because I didn't really have anything until yeah. right. I was a later teenager. But, you know, it felt more gender-based to me. Like, you know, I wanted that Transformer and I got a glitter kitty sweater that year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they don't even know me. I feel like there's that, <laughs> that whole... Like, for me, there definitely was. Like, I I could per se go and talk about I could go and talk about a Star Wars movie or I could go and talk about an episode of Knight Rider because everybody was watching it and we could all say yes I watched it this is what I liked about it this is what I didn't like about it and then the conversation ended it never really dove into that like how cool is this and there was no like that fantasizing part of it mm-hmm. that just didn't happen but for me one of my earliest fandoms was role-playing games so like dungeons and dragons Mm. and of course that really came with that whole stigma of it was the gateway to to uh, satan right it was the whole satanic panic of the 1980s so you're darn that explains a lot you're darn tootin i kept my mouth tight-lipped about a lot of stuff that i just did not want to like it was okay selectively amongst your friends once you'd sort of sussed out are you one of us? You know, and once that link was established, sure, it's game on. But to the general public, and even to my friend, Kim can attest to this because we went to the same high school. There are people that you would you would never even admit. <laughs> True. And I remember going, now I don't know whose house it was at, but a friend of mine, uh, a girlfriend of mine and I went to someone's house and you oh, were you there. You saying this is my house, but I don't think it I was mine. I don't remember. I don't remember who it was, but you were there. It was probably Dan's house. It could have been Dan's house. Not you, Dan, but another Dan. <laughs> I, I figured I don't remember <laughs> and, either. Uh, <laughs> <my year. laughs> it's a long commute. You guys were playing D&D and you guys, we come in and you guys got very like. All stop. All stop. <laughs> who are you? Why are you here? You're girls. You can't be here. Mm. And it was very like definitely a change in vibe yeah right and it was like your little thing we gotta go i think as young boys who were just you know it was that thing it was like remember in the little rascals how our gang they had the he-man woman Woman haters club (laughs) i didn't remember that yeah yeah (laughs) so it was kind of like that and i mean that there there's that gender-based stereotyping Mm -hmm. where that's kind of where we were it was our it was our nerd thing and we couldn't figure out you know why would you want to be a part of this now i'm not saying that that's how we all felt and certainly as an adult and my love of role-playing has never really diminished i mean my bookshelf really is kind of testament to that i mean i i read more than i play but as an adult especially since we've been married and then having different women come in and play i still i maintain that a woman at your gaming table adds a level a layer that you just don't get without them so absolutely you should be involved i agree you know I think it's it's hard for like it was hard for me to join the D and D group, yeah. Because 
it was three guys and me. Hmm. And you three guys had played since you were teenagers. I knew it, but I never played. So it was awkward because you guys had like, oh, I know what monster that is. And I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. I'll kick it in the face. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Don't kick it in the face. That's, yeah. So it's, it takes your legs right off. Then, exactly. So yeah. it, you say it's good and I believe you and it I think is. it is good, but it's, it can be a little like. It's intimidating. It's intimidating because like I had these three guys. They're like, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, well, I was, See, but now I'm not sure. That's and, the meta part when you, when you've been playing for 20 plus years and you know, you as a player know what the objectives and, and know what the obstacles are and you know the, the game mechanics. Oh, I totally get it that. It gets That's... very meta. And I think the problem was with us was not realizing that we were speaking kind of meta, realizing our characters know nothing about this, but we as players, yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. And you as somebody who's just new getting introduced to that, it can throw you off very quickly. It did a little. Like, I think it was awesome because you guys would talk in like, you know, I never would have done that. (laughs) And I do, you know, and you had all these voices and I'm like, can I just sit here and watch? Because this is, you know, this is fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's part of it. That's part of the fun though. Right. Is, is, you know, embracing that. And that's part of embracing the fandom, right. Getting into character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was never a dramatic arts student. I wasn't an actor, but you know, role playing and dice. Sure. I'll make silly character voices and try to get into it. It's fun. But mm-hmm. I was probably where you were in high school, the nervous, like, yeah, oh, no, sure. not sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, where now you guys are like, yeah, this is, you know, we're yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. all fun. I, you know, it's all good, but it's different. So what about you, Kim? Did you ever feel like there was a time where you kind of had to, I know you say like when you were married before, or you, you just didn't have the exposure to it, but the things that you were into, did you feel like you had to, like it was your thing that you couldn't share with anybody? Well, I've always been the type of person that I like unique things. I like things like I don't have to be like everybody else. Yeah. And I've kind of embraced that. I do, I've never felt like I've had to hide it. However, like we said earlier, like we have the museum in mm-hmm. the basement in the family room. Well, I have a hair salon in the house as well, and it's in a room that's beside the museum. And we go to conventions and yeah. we get autographs and we meet these celebrities. And some of those things have come into the shop. Oh, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I thought, you know, it's my hair salon. It's my things I enjoy. Yeah. And they've been in the salon. And, you know, you have these these older generation or whoever. And People like, who aren't into it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they just don't get it. Right. Or if the doors are open to the museum and they see oh, yeah. in, they're like, whose oh, are those? And I'm like, well, they're ours. And they're like, well, why? Why would you do yeah. this? Yeah. Right. And it's not that I have to hide it. I'm just like, look, you don't get it. It's okay. I've got people saying like, is this pictures of your oh, family? Oh, that's the best. And I'm like, yes, yes, they are. Yes. You Joe know? Gerard is my second that's uncle right, on my mother's you side. Know? <laughs> yes. You know, there's, there's a cast, there's a cast shot of all of the hobbits. Are those your cousins? Yes, <laughs> yes they are. I did all of their hair for this yeah. photo. That's right. And so it's not really like hiding. I just, you know who you can talk to and know who you can't talk yeah. to, right? I'm not going to waste my time and energy. I have one lady, she's very sweet and she's... You know, she just doesn't get it. She's like, why would you spend your money on this? Why would you? I don't get it. I'm like, that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. Right? Like. Again, if you can put on the uniform of your sports team and yell at your TV, I yeah. don't see anything well, wrong with it. I said to her. Do you yeah. continue to, to watch uh, yeah. Maple Leaf games? Well, this <laughs> exactly. is everybody. Most people <laughs> collect something, right? Like yeah. spoons or thimbles Absolutely. or 
whatever, right? A kitsch of some kind. Uh, right, yeah, something, yeah. right? Our, our, my mother alone was uh, collectible spoons, commemorative plates to every province and every state because my dad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. my, my two older brothers were pennants. Remember, mm-hmm. like just uh, yeah. triangular uh, felt pennants? Mm-hmm. Pennants. Uh, so whenever mom would get a plate and a spoon, my brothers would get a, a pennant for their bedroom. And so, yeah, everybody, like you say, everybody's got their thing. It's okay, honey, relax. Pennants. I know you're Catholic, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's all behind you now. I prefer the felt kind. But this, yeah. is, this is a good way to touch on sort of like, you know, people going back to that whole fandom, you know, even a decade ago wasn't really a word that was tossed around, but like, People who aren't into this stuff, don't kid yourself. You're a fan of something and you have your fandom. And like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. whether yeah. it's your, yep. you know, maybe, uh, you know, your, <laughs> my dad who would read those uh, Penny Western, you know, mm. um, oh, Zane yeah. Gray, right? You, yeah. Yeah, if you, Louis Lamour. Yeah, Louis Lamour. If you've read a bajillion Western books, guess what? That's your fandom, dude. Yeah. Like, that's your thing. You like it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just think we're in a real renaissance time to be able to express it without having to wear any of the shame that maybe was for sure i think it's completely onto it done the other way where now it's like if you are into it and you are kind of a nerd yeah you're even cooler now yeah right like and if you're not and then you're the weirdo that goes back to the guy at the hardware store we won yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. what about you dan did you ever have to hide it or hide anything absolutely for sure right oh absolutely yeah uh, I grew up in in Toronto, yeah. in what I guess is still called Woodbridge. Okay, but it was predominantly first generation uh, Canadians yes. of European descent, and at the time, and they were into different things than. Yeah. And I was tall and skinny and of English descent. Yeah, and not from. Italy or Spain right. or Portugal or any of the wonderful exotic places. Sure. I just spoke English at home. Yeah. Had bologna sandwiches. Yep. My yep. life was painfully boring and I wanted nothing more than to be like have some other language in my back <laughs> yeah. pocket or go home and have mom make me some fancy food from the old yeah, country. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was roast beef and yeah. bologna. And, yeah. You know, my mom's a great cook, but. She wasn't always. My grandmother was not a good cook. <laughs> if you couldn't boil it, we weren't eating it. Oh. And so, Don't they call that sous vide now? Yes. Yeah, sous vide. Sous vide. Sous vide, yeah. But, um, you know, so I wanted nothing to do with the kids that were picking on me at school. And right. so my way was to come home and read comic books or play with Transformers or watch G.I. Joe or watch yeah. Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or any of the hundreds of things Mm -hmm. that my brain attached itself to as a kid and occasionally i could be involved with the group outside riding bikes or playing street hockey but when you went outside and you were doing those things you'd been invited to take part in their world the last thing you did if you ever expected to be invited back was bring any of that baggage with you because nobody wants to you know we're playing street hockey pause car yeah you know oh yeah, hey yeah. did you see the new Battlestar Galactica was on <laughs> yeah, the other day yeah. Starbuck and Apollo really kicked butt didn't they <laughs> yeah what are you talking about right we don't need a goalie go back in the house yeah and you're so, afraid of that yeah and so you know in in my neighborhood you just if you had anything that wasn't sports related or car related or you know 
Yeah, you, you just sort of kept that stuff to yourself. Mm-hmm. What I really appreciate about this topic is just like we all sort of have this shared escapism mm-hmm. through different medium. Mm-hmm. But really, like these, I don't know what the word is, escapist forms of media or entertainment or the things that we love. And the more compelling story is what we were escaping from. And, and that to me is just such a, you know, it's funny, you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of like, tragic on some level yeah yeah mm-hmm. but yet well, it's the escape hatch yeah mm-hmm. yeah but yet these things have become so powerful and so meaningful in our lives that you know on some level they've continued to give us some sense of purpose and some sense of belonging and when we get together with like-minded people and we can share that it just i don't know about you guys but for me it just makes me feel a little bit more complete mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean yeah. you know things are a little muddy and confusing and scary right now yeah but you know if you ask any adult would you want to go back and be a nine-year-old child again oh, be it a boy no. or girl it's like it depends so. on the day school day or you know yeah, no. like a rain day when i yeah. pretend like i'm sick and i gotta yeah, stay home in different. my room mm-hmm. my mom's gonna bring me a sandwich and i get to play with all my favorite toys all day i mean if absolutely i, could... I want to be that guy i just want to be ferris bueller yeah, <laughs> um, you could be my Cameron. There you go. You gotta have okay. a Ferrari though. I'll, I'll do what I can. Nice. Can I can I paint my cobalt red? I'll chop the chop top, the roof I'll off. Chop yeah. the roof off. And roof off. We'll be good. Uh, okay. So I guess that uh, something else I I think it was interesting, and I when I was sort of thinking about the direction I wanted to go with the show, and it was sort of like, well, you know, kind of dating myself, but you know, the pre. Like having to hide stuff, but what about fandom pre-internet? It was a much different landscape then, and and how you connected to your thing and how you stayed in touch with it. And and the big one for me that I remember, and there were a lot of them at the time, but not you don't see them very much anymore. Is the old fanzines? Yes. Did you read any fanzines? Like I liked uh, Fangoria. Fangoria, yeah. 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 I too. couldn't get it very often, no. but if I, you know, got a really nice cousin who would give me their copy or something, sure. you know, or, or find it at a yard sale or something, you know, I might luck out. But I liked that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, having to wait a month or longer between publications to find out what was going on with the, the thing that you loved. And mm-hmm. then, and this is sort of at a time when, you know, sequels weren't a guarantee. So, how deep can we dive on the thing? You know, if, if your fandom was one one particular film and, you know, we're going to dedicate an entire magazine to it, oh, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then yeah. you have things like Starlog, yeah. which just was like this indispensable treasure trove of Trek when there was no, when, when Trekkie or Trekker wasn't even a word, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, fanzines, I guess. How about you, Dan? Did you read any fanzines? Uh. Yeah, again, Fangoria, Starlog on occasion when I could find it. Um, There were one or two other ones, but their names escaped me at the moment. Yeah. But they were more horror-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, they were... When we were dating, I would buy you the PlayStation magazine. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's kind of... That that was like my candy to you. I'd buy you candy. I'd bring you a PlayStation magazine. I've got the new magazine. You know what I liked about it? It has a sample scene. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why I would never buy... That was the sole reason for me buying PlayStation Magazine. It's what's on the demo disc this month. Yeah. And if the demo disc was good, I bought the issue. If it wasn't, I didn't. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, trying to find 
if like you were really into something yeah. like alien between yeah. what was it 81 when the first one came out oh alien or 78 78 79 the ridley scott yeah alien. Yeah. yeah it's 70s late 70s and i mean it was many years later so i mean if you wanted anything else alien you had to go and find yeah. the book by dan o'bannon i guess it was yeah and hope that maybe they mentioned something else yeah. and maybe the librarian was smart enough to, oh yeah, that's, that's this guy. And he wrote this other thing. Sure. Sure. And you know, maybe you'd mm -hmm. find something, but again, in my neighborhood, there was nobody else I could talk to about it. So it was like, did you see that movie alien? What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> you know, how about you, Kim? Did you ever read any of the uh, fan focus magazines? I did not. No, Tiger it Beat? was sure. Yeah, Tiger I guess Beat. Tiger Beat. Why yeah. not? Yeah, I did that. I did. You know, my whole wall was all the pictures. Sure, sure. I did do that, um, but I didn't do anything. You know, if there was a movie and then something no. else, no, I didn't do that. And um. I don't know. My parents didn't have a lot of money. So any money I did have came from babysitting. If I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So money was a real issue. And we lived in the country. So, and the parentals aren't going to drive you no. yeah. into yeah. the next town to get. So no. it was very hard for me as a young kid to get anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a tiger beat was like, so exciting or the archie i love beginning the archie, oh, archie that's Christ. what i yeah. read right yeah. and that was a treat mm -hmm. right so that's kind of few and far between those little things mm -hmm. yeah i was saying to kelly yesterday i mean i feel sort of kind of bad i mean hearing the three of you talk yeah. about living in peterborough it yep. was a much smaller town i assume in the 70s and 80s yep. and bancroft and bob cajun you know very much for so. me i grew up in toronto so mm -hmm. I had TTC at my doorstep. Oh, my, gosh. Yeah. yeah. My mom and my too. dad were both gainfully employed, made good money, came home every day. We had our, owned our own home. Yep. You know, so we were firmly middle class. It didn't inspire me to go out and, oh, I have all these things at my disposal. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and get that Tiger Beat magazine. And yeah. I'm going to go and get that Archie thing just because I can. It it, it no, just we doesn't were, even occur oh, at the yeah, time. Totally different. How we were. Uh, mm -hmm. I I would say that we were well off too. Like my both my parents did. Well, they worked at different times on and off. My dad predominantly was the breadwinner, but he was making great money. And I have to be honest with you, like I did not suffer for birthdays and Christmas. But outside no. of that, there was no there was no treats or can I have a toy or can I get this? There was none of that. Mm. But Christmas and birthdays seemed to kind of make up for that because I can remember having a pretty sizable action figure collection even at like 12 right but i was gonna say i remember coming downstairs on a christmas and you know couldn't you could barely see the tree yeah like you yeah, certainly yeah. could have fallen forward from the edge of the toys and not oh, touch yeah. the tree yeah same with us and you know you had to spend you know you spend 45 minutes unwrapping and then you spend three hours bringing the crap up to oh, the yeah. room <laughs> and finding a hole yeah. putting I, everything away i believe as a parent talking to my younger self, I would say I was spoiled. Yeah, I wouldn't. Sure I, I wouldn't disagree with, yeah. with. At least on my end, I didn't know you as a child, but you know, <laughs> no, no, I certainly had a had my share of stuff. So back. I in think it, that's a, the difference. Is like for like my parents both worked, and you know they provided. We there just wasn't extra to go right. around. Yeah. Right, and as a kid, you don't really 
Like I know my uh, cousins, I'd always think, oh, they're getting everything. Yeah. 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 Right? Because we're not getting that. Or if you ask for something, it's probably two years after that you get it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. so we still got stuff, but it wasn't on the level of. Boy, in the toy world, you'd be lucky if you got it two years after it came out. Well, you know what I'm saying. Sure, like it's sure. it's just that's just the how we live. Like it, yeah. you know, it just wasn't. And so, mm-hmm. if you wanted that magazine or you wanted that toy, you had to save for it. Like it was a mm-hmm. for sure. You better make sure you really want it because you're saving for a while for it, right? So, yeah. I think now as an adult, when I can just go, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, and you don't even have to leave your house to get it. No. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. It, that's it, That for me has almost gotten addictive now, like especially yeah. with COVID. Oh, for like, sure. I could order that thing. Like, yep. yeah, when I was a kid, you know, I couldn't get that, you know, magazine no. all the time or even a book that I wanted. Yeah. And the thing I collected as a kid was um, the movie posters from the previous oh, month's yes. rentals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, searched through their bin of dollar <laughs> movies yeah. uh, movie posters and that's what i collected you know the guy, the local store would hold them for yeah me. exactly like hold these posters yeah for me. and and i'd pick you know and i'd yeah. you know when i had saved yeah. for one i'd be like i don't care what's in there i'm picking one of them exactly because <laughs> that was my collection yeah i can remember racing to the the local video store and basically trying to convince the the clerk or the owner like hey when you're done advertising this movie can i have the poster and if you were lucky you were first in line or if can not, i have the standee yeah sorry it's already <laughs> spoken for yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. i guess for me for me i guess it was the odd issue of Starlog. i didn't i have an eccentric uncle but don't we all i guess oh yeah i have an eccentric uncle who is a huge star trek fan so like every now and then i would be exposed to things like Starlog, and i read like one or two i didn't never buy any but really, the fanzines that I kind of gravitated towards were like the Dungeon Magazine and Dragon Magazine, the mm-hmm. the official uh, Dungeon pulp. And Dra- yeah, Dungeons and Dragons that, that supported the game. And they just added a whole extra level of, you know, playability to your, to your game because it was a, a regular infusion of new material to keep that adventure going. And, and I really enjoyed those so much that when Wizards of the Coast had a license for Star Wars, they started producing Star Wars Gamer, and I immediately latched onto that, and I subscribed to it and bought every issue until it went out. And then shortly after that, both... I can remember lamenting when I read that, you know, this is going to be the final issue of Dragon Magazine, and from here on it, we're going to go digital. And now I don't even think they exist in that format anymore. But back in uh, (laughs) back in 1985, there was a little animated space opera made its way over to a North American television called Robotech. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of guys in Quebec actually launched the official Robotech fan club. And they, they had a little, I can't, I don't want to call it a magazine. It's technically, yes, it's a fanzine, but it was like really like a couple, like a one or two pager called protoculture. More addicts. like a flyer than a magazine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pro, protoculture addicts. And, uh, my buddy Hank, who you guys are going to hear later on in future episodes, had a couple of those kicking around when we were kids. And I just loved reading them and, and going through them and pouring over all this extra stuff that kind of took me deeper into that, that universe. Yeah, we were, you were talking about uh, collecting online yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I almost think it cheapens it. Because when I was a kid, I would have sold my sister and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> to get the sorry, ad at, Andrea. <laughs> to get the ad at playset for sure. 
you know, oh my God, it's got like laser beam sounds and the head moves. and Oh my God. <laughs> I've got a buddy who's got three of them. Yeah. I've got another buddy who's got one and he's like, yeah, it's in a closet somewhere. I'm really? Like, really? And they don't have any connection to it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure the, the one fella does because yeah. he's of the appropriate age. Well, if to, he's got but, three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm but assuming he, that's he's got one, yeah. He's got a wicked toy collection too. Well, here's the thing. Like... I agree with you. I don't know if I like it as much as I did pre-COVID, but all of that aside, and I, I've talked about this many times with many different people, we're at a point now where depending on what it is you collect, especially for modern toys, and particularly stuff that's made by Hasbro, if you are not pre-ordering it online, you're not going to get it. There's just such horrible distribution issues with that company right now where... Yeah. It really is kind of your your best bet is as soon as you know what's coming, find an online retailer and get your pre-order in because the days of going out and hunting the toy aisles for those things yeah. are virtually Well, unfortunately, gone, now but. we have, it's not only the collectors, but there's no, people out not. there who don't collect, but they know they can make money off it. The auctioneers. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they're going out and they see, you know, this new figure and it's a popular one. Well, I'm going to buy every single one that's yep. on the shelf. Because then I can mark it up and I can make these people who want it pay twice as much. Like we're seeing, uh, I know this is a whole, we can have a whole show just about this. Let's not because this one will make me angry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm seeing an action figure, a six inch action figure showing up on the secondary market the day that it hits retail for 300% of retail, it is, it's it's definitely aggravating. And Well, even with us having the toy store, like. We try and keep the prices reasonable, right? We are a business, mm-hmm. yes, but we don't need, we're collectors. And so we appreciate that. And we're not trying to gouge anybody. And tons of times, especially when we're at toy shows, you guys have helped us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure, I don't know if you've run into it, but people are like, oh, that's a really great price. Yeah. Right? Yes. They're almost surprised yeah. at yeah. what we're selling something. Like, because yeah, what's wrong with it? <laughs> right. Yeah, and so it's, it's like, look, price, we're yeah. not, we're making that little bit. Here it is, you know. We don't need to make, you know, yeah. 500% or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, You're the, doing the, it for the joy. Yeah. That's the, right. The mm-hmm. one that bugged me was we were helping you guys at one of your shows. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody came up and spotted a rare item that you had. And they, you know, the price was reasonable. It mm-hmm. was directly in line with what you could have got if you had looked online for right. it. Yeah. And they start haggling and trying to knock you down and knock mm-hmm. you down and mm-hmm. knock you down. And... They eventually caved and came back and paid you the full price that you were asking. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they walked over to their bin, put it in their bin with a That's sticker, a right. hundred bucks yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. of course. It and is. it's like, that is shitty and low because yeah. you, didn't want it, you didn't want it to put on your shelf. No. If you no, wanted, wanted it for, to sell for it you or yeah, your for sure. grandkid, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Take it at this price. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul. I'll make a dollar on it, but you give her. Right. Yeah. But- for you to just be crappy and low and it's like, oh, you're going to make a dollar? Ha loser, you know, we've I'm going to make 110 mm-hmm. over the years. Even of, to do um, it at the same show, like just, well, that's, it was kind of blatant to me. I'm like, yeah, I get, you know, consumerism and that, but you know, that was just kind of tacky to me. And that's kind of the unwritten rule I feel, you know, we've been doing it for about four years and you don't do that. Like we've bought stuff for the purpose of reselling. Yep. But if we were to buy something at a show, 
it goes underneath the table. We deal with it later. It yeah. never goes on our table. It's not table. going back up for sale. And same that's day. just kind of an unwritten rule. Yeah. The etiquette, show etiquette. Etiquette, yeah. yeah. Like we're all in it. It's a business. We get it. But there's, and like I said earlier, there's these certain, in, you know, mm-hmm. group of people that all they see is dollar signs and they see us as collectors, they'll pay whatever. Right. And because we're collectors as well as vendors, it's, mm-hmm. it's that fine line. It, yeah. it just, oh, I wish they just get out you of it. You can get that vibe, though. I find that going into some of these, uh, you know, collectible stores, you know, like mm-hmm. ones I haven't been into before. You can kind of get the vibe if it, the owner's there, if they're in it for the money or if they're in there so because true. they're fans. Yeah. yeah. And there are stores that I just walk out of. I'm like, no, I just. They're in it for the know, money. They have no yeah, idea. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to buy from you. Mm-hmm. I would be more excited to buy from another fan. Yeah. And pay a little bit more than buy from you. You just kind of seem. I'm very curious mm, to see what it's going to look it. like. There's yeah. a there's a brand new Star Wars uh, themed store that's popped up in Oshawa, and I've seen a couple of. When are we going? Well, this is it. <laughs> I'm very curious to go down there, and I'd like to see what they're about. Like, is this just a? You what know, time do they close? Are we? Like, <laughs> is this a hundred percent capitalize on the yeah. on the merchandising aspect of Star Wars, or is this like? Much like what we do here, like it's a it's a labor of love and it's a bit of a passion mm-hmm. that kind of drives us to do it. But that's going to make for a fun road trip. Yes. I guess I'd like to, before we close off, I just want to go back to that whole uh, hardware store story for a second when Ken said, we won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, I know that it's no longer on the air and, and uh, I'm a little sad for that. But I have to give props up to Chuck Lore and the guys that made the Big Bang Theory who largely popularized a lot of the stuff that we have always loved and admired and have made, you know, part of that uh, culturally, I get, I don't want to say acceptable because it's always been acceptable, but now culturally maybe normalize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, we're the ones that made them so popular in a sense, right? Like yeah. right. you look at Seinfeld, it's a group of friends that did their own thing or even friends, right? Like that we liked it, but the big bang talked about stuff we liked. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like instantly our friends, instantly our family. It was a different vibe. Yeah, we like we got that reference. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. And none of us are like, you know, leaders in our fields. We're not none of us are physicists and engineers. <laughs> no, 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 not in that regard. But I think it started a little bit I before that. A little, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Like Big Bang Theory certainly brought it more, you know, yes. forefront. Yeah. And but I remember hearing people at work. You know, somebody was talking about, you know, the nerd or something and someone said, oh, oh, someday they'll be your boss, though. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think oh, there yeah. was that little bit of change, but yeah, it was true. more of a, you know, he's going to be running the company someday. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't be down talking him so much. But, right. but, but it wasn't as a positive like Big Bang brought it. But doesn't true. Big Bang really kind of address both of those? Because I, I think, you know, contextually speaking, we go back and analyze nerd a little bit early on, like when you tossed out the word nerd usually referred to somebody who was brilliantly intelligent maybe a little socially awkward right but now we toss it out to all these pop culture things and oh it's our it's our nerd thing and it's and we laugh about it and we embrace it yeah i think that the terms nerd and geek have been sort of superfluous now well yeah homogenized into one thing really yeah but there used to be a difference for sure. A, a it used nerd. to be a negative. Yeah, the nerd was Sheldon or any of the guys from Revenge of mm-hmm. the Nerds, how they were yeah. super bright, but just, you know, 
wouldn't be able to talk to mm-hmm. another human being on anything other than Outcast, their topic of choice. Yeah. 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 Without and, alcohol. Right. And, <laughs> and geek was more yeah. just Captain Sweatpants. Yeah, uh, weirdo. Basement dweller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had that weird collection of cats. and Hutch the, living in the carriage house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm glad that we don't seem to segregate the group no. that way anymore. Like, hey, you're into Game of Thrones? Yeah. I'm into Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or, you know, or Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. I mean, you can always find something in common to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that we used that show sort of as a touchstone. Yeah. That it's like, oh, did you watch uh, Big Bang? Oh, yeah, they were talking about blah thing or... You know, oh, Sheldon was wearing another flash shirt this week. Or <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, yeah. This week, I didn't recognize that yellow thing with the like the Green Lantern thing on it. I quite oh, enjoyed reading. Core. I really enjoyed watching it f- specifically for the T-shirts because it's like, <laughs> oh, where can I get that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, where people who were into sports or cars could rally around. Oh, did you watch the race on the weekend? Oh, did yeah. you see the game yesterday? Yeah, for sure. We didn't really have something like that mm-hmm. to get excited about. Like, hey, finally, somebody who looks like me, sounds yeah. like me, likes the same stuff as me. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're into hockey, you play hockey, you watch hockey, you listen to people talk about hockey, you can talk to your friends about hockey. Right. But if you're into, you know, comic books, that's a pretty solitary, uh, <laughs> solitary thing to do. It sure can be. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, but when you've got, that background of information and all of a sudden you see somebody describing the operation of the universe yeah. in terms of, you know, the flash or, yeah. or whomever, you know, you finally, Hey, that makes sense. I get yeah. those references. And I think that guy at work who wears the flash t-shirt, he might watch it too. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we've got that connection. Now we can talk. I see somebody with a pop culture t-shirt on and I immediately say to myself, they're safe to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like it's they're, like the, they're okay the, to talk to. the block parent sign. Yep. yep. Safe to go to that <laughs> oh, yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, Kelly, Kim, I just want to say thank you for uh, wanting to come in here and do this with me. Oh. It's always a privilege to be able to sit down and share my uh, nerddom with anybody and everybody who wants to listen. That's been such a rewarding experience for me. And uh, I hope you guys are, uh, had a good time tonight. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, was, we did. it was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. I hope I can call sure. on you again for future episodes. We hope so. Yeah. So before for we, sure. uh, before we kick off, I just want to go around the table and just ask everybody, what's your side project? Where can people find you? Um, I don't have a side project. I guess Chewy, our dog, is our side project. My side project right Props now, to keeping Chewy. him, keeping him happy and amused in the kids' fed. That's my project. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> and the, and the man happy here. Right. <laughs> um, I guess mine is uh, the Kawartha arcade machines. I build uh, video cabinets and arcade machines and video pinball machines just for something to do. And if you want, you can check us out on Facebook at Kawartha Arcade Machines. Let's not forget that these are for sale. So if you're looking for a full size or half size or bar top machine for your household or office, Dan is definitely a guy you want to talk to. Where can they find you, Dan? Uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash Gortha Arcade Machines. Awesome. What about you, Kim? Thank you. Uh, not too much going on. Working in the salon, uh, hair definitions, and we're doing the toy store. 
you know, it's a little bit slower with this whole COVID thing. And and you are taking new clientele? Yeah, I'm taking new clientele. You can find me in Facebook. And then I, for fun, I'm just writing my book about vampires. And do you have a ballpark on when we can expect to see that? Uh, I've submitted it to a few publishers. The last one gave me a few critiques. So um, I'm just kind of going over the editing one last time to kind of clean it up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to try putting it out there. And if by chance a publisher doesn't pick it up, yep. I'm seriously contemplating self-publishing, which so many people are well, doing lots now. Of, yeah. Lots of people are doing so, so that might be an avenue. But the first book is done. I see it as a three-book series sure so Ooh, a trilogy a trilogy Yay. no sparkles oh okay yeah i, I can i can get behind that <laughs> so yeah is that like Exciting, vampire yeah. the masquerade kind of vampires or it's Bram a Stokery type? it's a it's a dystopian future Ooh. and basically you know my vampires are people they die mm -hmm. they just take a long time to do it and it's basically they've been hidden for years there's two kind of uh, races, the good, the bad. I don't want to give too many spoilers out, but the bad decide that they're tired of hidden. And these humans have destroyed the world and kind of, they're, you know, they're superior to the humans and they start this war. And the good vampires are like, you know what? This can't happen. We have to live in harmony for this planet to survive. And so there's this very, I don't know how to say it, but there's this war that happens and the world, the humanity, the humans are almost wiped out. And there's this one girl who kind of is the deciding factor of what side am I going to go on? How is this going to end? Good, bad, indifferent. So, yeah, we're working on You had on me that. at dystopian future. Okay. <laughs> I should have stopped then. You had me at vampires. <laughs> Well, as for me, you can catch me uh, here semi-regularly here as your host of Fandom Power. And you can also catch me on my other show with my recording partner, Scott Elder. It's Hanging at the Barbershop, and it's a buddy chat show. We're on all the podcasting apps. And that's it for me. This has been Fandom Power. My name is YSR Scott. I hope you'll join us on the next episode. Thanks for listening, and have a good day. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. 
Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? <laughs>